With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com insights. Welcome to the Rhonda Grant Show with your host, Rhonda Grant. If you believe that there is more to life than what you see right now and you want to find out more, listen in as her guests share their journey and their extraordinary experiences. Now, here is your host, Rhonda Grant. Welcome. We are so pleased that you have joined us. It is here that we will uncover if my guest has had extraordinary discoveries in her life. The theme song for the Rhonda Grant Show is Sun on the Water, composed and performed by John Park Wheeler. My guest today is Carol Kammermer, internationally recognized personal branding expert, professional speaker, and author of the award-winning book LinkedIn for the Savvy Executive, now available in its second edition. Prior to her focus on LinkedIn and personal branding, she was a marketing communications consultant for 20 years with a Fortune 500 medical device company. Since 2011, Carol has focused her communications expertise on helping C-suite executives and senior leaders use LinkedIn powerfully, creating positioning and messaging that reflects their business passion with authenticity. Join me in welcoming Carol Kammermer, who is joining us today from Hawaii. Hello, Carol. Hello, Rhonda. I'm so glad to be with you today. Thank you. Currently, LinkedIn for the Savvy Executive is now available in its second edition. Why did you write the award-winning first edition, and how long did it take you? Okay, Rhonda, the first time I wrote my book, it was because I was so aware that my one-on-one coaching was serving the people that I got to visit with very, very well. But everybody needs LinkedIn help. And I needed a bigger platform. And so I decided to write my book and also to become a member of the National Speakers Association and to um, proclaim some of the truisms about LinkedIn uh, to a wider audience. Wonderful. And you asked me how long it to write. And um, the answer is that from the first challenge um, issued by a friend of mine to write a book until the day of my book launch was one year. So what significant changes did you make in your second edition, Carol? The first thing that I did was to catch up all the terminology because LinkedIn changes its terminology, changes the way um, its functionality is uh, rolled out all the time. And so I needed to be current. So that happened. But the most important thing that I did was to recognize that people who are in job transition have some different questions that other people don't have. 
and they deserve to have their questions answered. So I added a whole chapter for executives in transition, and there's a new section for people who are 50 or over because ageism is alive and well. The other thing that I added was action points, action steps at the end of each chapter so that by the time you're done reading the book, you've done a huge amount of work on your profile and it's ready to go. That's exciting. It's a one-stop shop then. I think so. It's interesting. It's not exactly the same as if I wrote it for you, but um, I mean, if I wrote your profile for you, but if you can write about yourself, um, you will have done all the steps. And also it, there's a lot about how do we use the platform to achieve our goals? For instance, becoming um, more influential and having more presence on the platform. And even when we express our thought leadership, um, we have the opportunity to draw those employees that might be just the perfect people to us or our next clients. Right, it's a great resource for that, for sure. What, so what are the mistakes that you uh, see people make on their LinkedIn profile? Well, the number one mistake is not taking LinkedIn seriously. So people who just slapdash put a few things up there and call it a, a profile really miss the opportunity to express their brand with power. Um, I see people who are willing to go with um, a snapshot that's hurriedly taken by a friend um, that kind of looks like you, but really is not flattering. Um, people who just answer with um, short sentences or bullet points and who are missing the power of the search engine because they're not feeding the search engine with their keywords effectively. So I think the number one mistake is just not recognizing that it is your personal brand 24 seven available to everyone. And so uh, how do people um, accent their keywords in LinkedIn, Carol? Well, first you have to do a little soul searching about what your keywords are. And keywords are just the words that people would use in a search to find people just like you. So I always suggest that one of the things that people do to prepare to give their LinkedIn an overhaul is to write down some of their keywords and then you know maybe put a star by the ones that are the absolute most important because we want to have have those words show up repeatedly in our text, not in a way that sounds mechanical, but a way that is authentic to us. When we talk about what we're passionate about in the world of work, our keywords just normally 
flow from us just naturally. The skills section is another area where we get to emphasize our keywords because all skills are keywords. So when you talk about cultivating connections on LinkedIn, uh, what do you mean and how can we do that? Okay, it is just as though you've met a new friend in person. And as you are trying to nudge that person toward friendship as opposed to just acquaintanceship, you might show them a little attention. On LinkedIn, there are so many ways to express that attention. Um, we can like and comment on things that they post. That's an expression of attention. Uh, we can endorse them for a few of their skills, another source of attention. And my very favorite thing is to send them an article that I know is on brand for them with a note that says, this article came across my feed today and it reminded me of you. I think when we go out of our way to make connections like that, um, to, to have those little touch points, we nurture someone from acquaintanceship to friendship. Yes, uh, that's uh, wonderful. How, um, how much time should a person spend on LinkedIn cultivating and grooming and, and talking uh, with people? Like what's a normal amount of time that a person should spend on it? Well, I think it does depend on your goals and what you are trying to achieve through LinkedIn. But 15 minutes a day, I think, is, is kind of a starting point. And it's enough time to see um, the notifications that LinkedIn has sent to you and decide whether you need to respond to any of them with um, a personalized note of congratulations to someone, for instance. It's uh, enough time to skim through the first couple of uh, scrolls of your homepage feed. Um, it's enough time to go back through your calendar and find someone that you met recently that you haven't reached out to, um, to connect. So if we had a practice of just 15 minutes a day, you'd have enough time to make an impact. I mm -hmm. And so tell me this, Carol, um, if I receive an invitation into my LinkedIn and I know that the invitation has went out to all executives in C-suite, for instance, is, do I have an, is there an etiquette that, uh, that I should respond to that and say, yes, I'd love to, I'll be there. Um, whatever the event, you know, these little events that we attend. And, or, and if I can't attend, should I say I'm not going to be able to attend that? Like, what is the etiquette around that? 
Okay, so you were talking about being invited to an event. Yes. And quite frankly, I don't think that we are required to respond. You know that that invitation um, has gone out to a thousand people and the person who sent it is not the person whose event it really is. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I I really, I don't, I don't take time to respond to every invitation like that. But if it is someone who is having an event and it's rare for them to have an event, for instance, um, I have friends who have book launches. If they invite me to their book launch via LinkedIn, I do respond because I already have a personal connection with that person. And I know that the launch is near and dear to their heart. You know, any author understands what other authors have been through to get their book to the point of a launch. And so that requires a response. But um, if it's just from an organization and the person who is receiving the responses is not someone with whom you have a personal relationship, I don't think you need to respond. Okay, well, that really makes me feel good <laughs> that I don't have to respond <laughs> because it cuts no, down so many. Yeah, and uh, because then I can spend time um, doing things that I, I want to attend to first on my LinkedIn profile, and I don't have to worry about getting responding to invitations. So that's really good to know because a lot of people might not know that there's etiquette around that whether it, your people are waiting for you to respond because they have a checklist of who's attending and who's not. But it makes sense that, yes, if it's special, like a book, book launch, you know the person, then you would want to respond to that. Right. What are some of the new features on LinkedIn that we should be taking advantage of to amplify our brand? Oh, my favorite is the featured section. And the featured section is a very visual section. It is a place for us to put pictures and video and posts that have pictures. Um, We can even use it for logos of accrediting organizations or organizations that we are a part of. We're looking for something that has visual splash in that section. So it is a real downer to see a a Word document that has no visual appeal at all. So I urge people not to put their resume there. But um, if you've got something that amplifies your brand visually, that's where um, that section really shines. Okay, that's Would you like another? Yeah, yeah. Can you give me another section? That'd be great. Okay, that the next feature that I think is just marvelous. And uh, it is the feature that's called the pronouncer, the name pronouncer. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I don't think that they spend a lot of time um, naming that one. But it, it is the little speaker icon that shows up right by a person's name. Now, 
it doesn't happen very often because it's still a fairly new section and people don't know about it. But if your name is hard to pronounce, or if you're meeting someone whose name is hard to pronounce, it is fabulous. So the way that we get the speaker icon to show up by our name is we need to be on our phone app for LinkedIn. And only on the phone app can we cre um, create the recording. So if you were to use the speaker icon beside my name, you would hear me say, Carol Kemmerer. Carol yes. Kemmerer. And that would be your cue that you would know how to pronounce my name when we meet. Yes. And I and it's a fabulous feature. Uh, I spent some time with that uh, this afternoon uh, so that I could pronounce your name today. So it is uh, it's invaluable Excellent. for sure. Yes. Are there any other special features that we should know about? Oh, let's see. There is a change in the skills section. And in the skills section, they now have just three skills that we can see before you hit the see more. And what that means to me is that LinkedIn is emphasizing in its algorithm the top three skills. And so this is a huge opportunity for us to telegraph what we really want to be known for by the first three skills that we pick. That is, in, that is a really good thing to know. It is a significant change. Mm -hmm. If someone had just one hour to update their LinkedIn profile, how should they spend that time? I would say that they need to spend the first 15 minutes planning. Because if you don't have a plan, your profile will not be any better than when you started. The architecture that I suggest is based on three branding questions that I always use with my executive clients. And so here are my three questions. What are the three things you want to be known for? Number two, what are your differentiators? And number three, what are your keywords? So if you know those things, you can write a great headline, which is just like your marketing billboard. Um, it is, it should be such a great statement. And most people have just used the LinkedIn default, which is your current title. But when we spend some time and we think about what are the three things we want to be known for, what are our differentiators, and what are our key words, we have the ability to create very powerful headline within the 220 characters that we are allotted. So then the, they would also spend some time on their about section because that is the section that we get to tell our business story in our own way. This is a section where we woo our ideal audience and win them over. 
that's a section that doesn't really write in less than an hour, but perhaps you can get a start. We need to also write that in the first person. And the third area that I would spend time on is making sure that your skills, at least the top three, are providing that signal of what we want to be known for. Right. So yeah, so it goes back to the other, uh, the skills section that we talked about that the, the algorithms are picking up the first three, right? The first top skills. Yes. Mm -hmm. How did you get involved in personal branding and LinkedIn? So yes. So I had been working in marketing communications for many, many years at, with a strong emphasis on brand, but of course it was on company brand and product brand. When the company that I had been consulting for for 20 years underwent an economic downturn, they outsourced the whole marketing communications function under a retained arrangement. And that meant that I could no longer do the work that I'd been doing for them. They'd already paid for it with someone else. And so I needed to understand how I could share my brand outside the company. And so I studied, I went to every seminar, webinar, read everything. And I began to find that there were some real keys to how we can express our brand powerfully and how it affects our results on a keyword search. While I was doing that, I was so excited that, you know, this was something that I was learning about. I was sharing with, with all my friends who'd also lost their jobs. Right. And when they began to send me their friends, I realized that people were identifying me for a new area of subject matter expertise. Excellent. And that was the beginning. And, and how did it blossom from there? I think it... I was, I was so surprised yes. that everyone actually needed help with their LinkedIn profile because LinkedIn profiles um, as a whole are really poor <laughs> and, <Yes. laughs> and people often identify that they like help. Um, but I realized that if I was, um, if I were to work one-on-one -on -one intensively with someone, I would need to really respect that person and like them too. And so I found very quickly that the group that I was most effective with was the group that I'd been working with all my career. And that was senior level professionals. And yes. so that's the area um, where I focused. That's wonderful. So you talk about cultivating your connections on LinkedIn. And what do you mean and how can we do that? Cultivating connections is just like cultivating friendships, nurturing friendships. 
Um, and it really is a matter of touches. Certainly we can touch someone by calling them on the phone. We can touch someone by inviting them for coffee. But on LinkedIn, the touches are much more efficient. Um, they have to do with things like endorsing their skills, sending them uh, um, the notion that, that you are paying attention by liking and commenting on things that they've posted, sending them articles that you know that would be on brand for them, introducing them through LinkedIn to someone that, that you know that they would like to meet. And so, you know, it's really not a mechanistic thing at all. It is, how can I advance this friendship? How can I change someone who's an acquaintance to a friend? How can I perhaps get them interested in what I could do for them as a sales? But we know that when we are trying to sell someone, we need to have a relationship. So it really is just relationship building. Mm -hmm. And it's wonderful uh, to do that business-wise. Uh, business it's uh, incredible. Absolutely. Yes. What's different about your second edition? The second edition book, what's different about it to, from the first edition? The second edition book has all the material of the first edition, but I added some things. One of the things that I had in my first edition and it's continued in the second edition is a behavioral checklist at the end of the book, which allows you to either check out that, yes, you have read and understood and implemented those practices in your profile. You could use it you know, as an afterward thing to just check that you did that, or you can do it before you read the book to figure out which chapters you really need to read, where you have a knowledge gap. So that is the same. What is different in the second book is that I put at the end of each chapter some action steps. What should we actually be doing now that we have this information? How do we translate that into our profile? The other thing that's new with this second edition is that we have a whole new chapter for people who are in job transition because the whole economy and business has changed so much during this pandemic and will continue to change as we go forward. And everyone who is seeking or who has a permanent full-time job still needs to have in their head that that job could go away as companies begin to rethink what business they should be in and what their workforce should look like. And so I think that this is a very unsettled time. And during this unsettled employment time, people have the opportunity 
to take control of their own personal brand. And when we take control, we planfully prepare what we want people to know about us. So I think those are some of the differentiators between last time's book and this time's book. Um, and the other thing is I've added a section for people who are over 50 because age discrimination is alive and well, and we want to make sure that we are not sending out the signal that we are resistant to change. And there are some little cues that people pick up on that um, are in our power to control. Mm -hmm. And people that uh, are over 50 and uh, have found themselves out of work, um, it's a, I would think that uh, LinkedIn is a perfect profile um, to do exactly what you have do done, Carol, is to take um, your strengths of uh, when you were consulting for a big firm and um, turn that into a business yourself. You know, there are many, many people um, who are in this last chapter of their career, for instance, and there are so many people who can pivot, um, who recognize the things that they loved about their job and the things that they didn't like and capitalize on how to have more of what makes you happy and less of what doesn't make you happy. So it is, it is a very, very powerful tool. And when we are intentional, people receive the message that we intend. Mm -hmm. and, but some people just aren't business people. Um, they're workers and uh, they, there's some people that just wouldn't do that. Is that right, Carol? They wouldn't uh, take that position and build that oh. profile and, and start a new business like you did. I mean, it takes a lot of stamina. It takes a lot of guts uh, to do that. Um, and you really have to be self-disciplined uh, to be your own boss. Absolutely. You are correct about that. But there are people whose whole industries are damaged or changed or slow to come back who need to be able to recognize that their skills are transferable to other industries. And so if you have good personal insight into what you do exceedingly well, Think about the ways in which you could do that same thing for another sector of the economy. And that, again, can be very powerful when we emphasize our transferable skills. Yes, exactly. Because the person might, uh, a person might just be thinking about the company that they worked for and the product that they made or what they were about and not realize that their skills can be used um, in another company 
um, and, and they can still be successful. They might have to learn about terminology, which is real easy to do these days because we've got Google and uh, we, can learn, we can learn a lot of things about uh, different companies and what they do. So you're able to grab that background knowledge really quickly uh, if you had somebody come to your LinkedIn profile that wanted to talk to you about your skills uh, for, their, for their company, right? Absolutely, absolutely. I think one of the things that I share when I'm speaking is that we are all bigger than the jobs that we hold. Yes, wonderful. When we lose our job, Many of us think that we have lost ourselves, but that is not true. We still have those same skills. We still have those same passions that help us get up in the morning. We just need to find a different venue. And so when the person who is seeking a new venue realizes that they still possess all of those things that made them great in their former job, they can move on more effectively to find new areas in which to serve. Mm -hmm. You really, um, pe people, and I know I do, I identify myself with what I do. And if what I do disappears, then there, we, we, people need to spend a lot of time uh, recovering from that and reinventing themselves. But with the pandemic, Carol, it's not only about that part of it, but you've also um, are ripped out of a workplace where you saw people uh, in the morning, you said hello, you had coffee with them, you might have had lunch with them. So there's a whole identity of yourself that is missing because of the interaction that you also had with your colleagues wherever you work. And um, so it does, it, it, it is a big deal, isn't it? It is a big deal. You are right. It can take um, a lot of time to recover from a loss like that. It's, it's like a death when you lose a job, mm -hmm. especially if it's a job that you loved. And many people are experiencing that even without losing their jobs, just because in this pandemic time, they are missing all the things that you talked about in terms of interaction over coffee, um, you know, opportunity for the casual lunch, that's not happening. But one of the things that many people don't realize is that LinkedIn is a place. LinkedIn is a place where you can see and be seen. Um, LinkedIn is a way for us to engage with other people, even though we are not seeing them in a physical workspace. You can get that same any kind of collegiality by being very active on the profile or on the platform, because um, the more active you are, the more you draw people 
to you that are paying attention. And um, we have the opportunity to discuss things, um, you know, um, three and four sentences at a time, but it is a place. And it is a place for people who are um, looking for interaction. It's a different kind of place than the workplace, but it, it still can provide that sense of social connectedness. So it, it's mm -hmm. a happy place for me. It is. And, you know, in meeting you and talking to you about LinkedIn, um, I've really warmed up to the platform. Um, it's, it's a very, it's a great place um, and, it, and it helps people. Uh, that are in transition to reinvent themselves or continue to work the way they're working, uh, but putting it out there to the masses um, in order for them to uh, benefit and also uh, benefit other people's lives as well. Absolutely. I, I've, I, I've loved talking about this. It's, uh, I've, I've learned so much and now I... I feel like I need to go and um, check over my LinkedIn profile and, and make sure that I'm doing everything correctly. So what extraordinary discovery have you made in your life, Carol? One of the biggest discoveries came from my loss of my consulting position with that Fortune 500 company. Yeah. And it was that I was more than someone who could write effectively what someone else wanted to have written. I discovered that I had my own voice, that I could decide what was important to communicate, that I could have my own agenda of what to write about, what to talk about. I had spent um, 20 years writing presentations for other people to give, and I'd never given a one of them. Now, as a member of the National Speakers Association, I have that kind of voice as well, my right. writing voice and my speaking voice, and it all belongs to me. And that was my big discovery. Oh, my goodness. And and when you're working and when you're writing speeches for other people, you just get lost in that. And and um, and with and when you uh, lost your job because of the pandemic, um, you discovered that that's what you wanted to do for yourself. And I think that's that's so interesting because it's not that you were unhappy writing those speeches and doing all those things. You were you loved what you did. But uh, that was an incredible skill that you transferred over to what you're doing now. How exciting! Yes, it it was. It was a it was a real revelation to find that. Yeah, I didn't have to continue to feel less than because I'd lost my job. I could feel more, more than. than and. It was, it was a great discovery. And so, uh, you know, one of the things that I like to ask my guests and uh, guests are, um, do you feel that you were called? I mean, is your journey, do you feel that your journey has led you to 
where you are now with a successful book uh, in the business world, you're a speaker. Do you feel that you've been called to where you are right now? I don't mean in Hawaii. I'd, I'd like to be called to Hawaii, um, but I mean, um, <laughs> with, <laughs> but I, I mean, yes. with uh, yeah. How do you, do you feel that you've been called? Yes, I, I absolutely do. And it actually started before my job loss. In 2008, with the economic downturn, I noticed a number of my senior executive friends lost their jobs. And nine months later, when you would ask them what they were doing after their job loss, their response was, well, I guess I have retired. Oh, Now, these people were not old enough to retire. These people still had children that needed to go through college. These people still had mortgages to pay. These people were not ready to retire and had no intention to retire previously, but they were not getting any traction in the workplace. And what I discovered three some years later when my position ended was that the world of connecting with your next job was no longer associated with what color vellum you used for your resume. Right. It was no longer what font shall we select? People who were continuing to look for jobs in that way were finding no traction at all because the world had moved on. And now people are looking for jobs, uh, looking for people to fill their jobs on LinkedIn. They are sourcing and vetting their next hires through this platform. Even if they receive a perfectly lovely resume, if they're considering you, the next thing they do is they look at your LinkedIn profile. And I realized that people of that 50 plus age probably had no idea how to effectively use this platform. And that was the launch of my next chapter. Um, communicating to senior level people, people who had um, some maturity and tenure Mm-hmm. how to make this central business tool work for them. Well, that is wonderful. That is exciting. How may people find you? If they wanted to reach out to you, Carol. Okay. So um, the key to finding me really is knowing how to spell my last name. Yes. Because what you know, <laughs> I'm all over the place. You can find me on Google. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on uh, Amazon. So here is how to spell my name. It's K-A-E-M-M, like Mickey Mouse, with two ears. E-R-E-R. Hammerer. Perfect. M-M-E-R-E. And um, 
you can you can find me there on on LinkedIn, and you can certainly find me on Amazon for for my books, um, and you can find my articles by just googling my name. So that's how. <laughs> yes, and when you say your books, uh, LinkedIn for the savvy executive, and LinkedIn for the savvy executive, it, the second edition. Yes. Do you have another and, book in? You know, both books. No, um, both books have a, their Kindle version. And I think you were going to ask me if I have another book in me. I did. I was going. Remains, I want it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it remains to be seen. <laughs> okay. Uh, you're such a great teacher um, in writing a book like this and helping uh, people. Um, and so if they wanted to reach out to you, they would find you on LinkedIn if they wanted to hire your services. Absolutely, absolutely. That is a great way to, to find me. My um, website is um, carolkemmerer.com. So it no spaces between the two names. Um, and if they're looking for my material on LinkedIn, um, if they are on LinkedIn at the time, they can type the um, hashtag or pound sign as we used to call it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then type Carol Kemmerer all as one word. And um, it will bring up a lot of my um, articles. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Carol. I really enjoyed it. I've learned so much from you since I've met you and even more uh, during my interview. So I'd like to thank you very much for joining us. It was such a pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure, Carol. This is Rhonda Grant with The Rhonda Grant Show, author of Magical Forces Within, Extraordinary Discoveries in an Ordinary Life, inviting you to look for the magical forces within yourself today and every day. Thanks for tuning in to The Rhonda Grant Show with your host, Rhonda Grant. If you would like to find out more information about Rhonda and her upcoming guests and the work that she does, go to her website, rondagrantauthor.com. That's rondagrantauthor.com.